Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Cape Sports Now, the Cape Cod Times podcast and Facebook uh, live show covering all things high school sports here on Cape Cod. I'm Matt Goisman alongside Steve Derdarian. It is week six of the high school football regular season. This has flown by unbelievably, but we're now basically two weeks from the start of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's really incredible. You know, when I used to play, like, this was kind of the midpoint of the season. Now, when you look at it, it's like you're really in the home stretch in a sense. Oh, yeah. Obviously, there's still a lot of football to be played even when the playoffs start. You get the non-playoff games, mm-hmm. and the teams that get eliminated play, you know, those those matchups head to Thanksgiving. So, you know, it, it, it's a balance. It's still for these teams to still have a long way to go, like I just said. But uh, definitely interesting to see how things are shaping up. Definitely. You know, so with two weeks remaining, a lot of teams have kind of already done what they needed to do to win their division. So a lot of the big matchups this week, we still have a few league ones, uh, but we're also starting to see some interesting non-league games that might be playoff previews. A good example of that we've got on Friday night, Hanover is at Falmouth. Falmouth, you know, that was a big win for uh, the Clippers last week. I kind of thought it would be a their size and strength versus DY's speed and their size and strength really kind of was what won out, you know, Jacob Murphy, 300 rushing yards and four touchdowns with an offensive line that really played extremely well, opening up those holes for him. Hanover. Meanwhile, that's another team in division four South. That is another team with a really good record at four and one. This is a potential playoff preview. uh, And that I think is going to be an interesting indicator on Friday night of how Falmouth could do once the playoffs are over. Because at this point, the Atlantic Coast League is pretty much sewn up for them. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Hanover played DY in the playoffs last year, I believe, so on their way there. Yes. I, Not sure exactly what round, but... Um, I Maybe the maybe the, the semifinals? Um, but yeah, I think you're right about that. Right. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, really, I mean, welcome to, welcome to the big show, Jake Murphy. I mean, yeah. obviously he had a couple great games, but I mean, a real standout performance really exposed some of the weaknesses in DY's defense, especially in the run defense. But it was just really impressed, you know, all around, not only that, mm-hmm. but to how the defense was just swarming to the football. Guys like oh, David yeah. Doherty, Marcus Gonzalez, Kyle mm-hmm. Cardoza, they all had big plays. were giving uh, DY's offensive line a lot of troubles. And something I kind of thought about yesterday, you know, DY's defense, and part of the reason why they were pretty good against the run last year, mm-hmm. and even though he was a standout running back, Bobby Evans was a really good linebacker, too. Yeah. He had to pick six in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and it, that's a really big hole that I don't think DY has really been able to fill yet. And, you know, teams were able to really take advantage of that with the speed um, that, that Falmouth is able to play out in that triple option. Absolutely. I, you're talking about the defense. One of the things that really surprised me is that, you know, guys like Jaquan Phillips and uh, uh, Jeffrey Jamiel, they got some touches, but compared with what we've seen both of them do downfield, Falmouth did a really nice job of containing right. them both. You mentioned the sacks, you know, the tackles behind the line. There were a couple of plays where they tried screen passes to them and the defense was able to drop them for losses. There was no big bombs down the, down the field that I can remember, maybe, right. maybe one, but nothing really consequential until the fourth quarter when Falmouth, you know, had the game sewed up and, and maybe took the foot off 
the gas a little bit. Uh, and then with the offense, you know, you're talking Jake Murphy. So Falmouth runs the triple option. They haven't run any anything else since Derek Almeida took over. But when they won the Super Bowl two years ago, their running back was uh, – Michael LaFrange, and LaFrange was really good, but a lot of his runs were, they were around the edge, they were pitches and stuff, uh, you know, they were uh, sweeps, things like that. This is, you know, their fullback was Gates Kelleher, and mm-hmm. Gates Kelleher got, played really well in the Super Bowl, had, I think, close to 100 yards or maybe over, right. but that was the first game that season where they had really relied on that up-the-gut run. Mm-hmm. This year, it's the focal point of this uh of this offense, you know, Kyle Connolly ran it a little. He only threw it, I think, two or three times and completed basically one pass. So it's right. all run, and that's a lot to put on Jake Murphy, and he's handling it really well. He, like Gates Kelleher, doubles as a linebacker. He's talked about, I think, he learned a lot from Gates and mm-hmm. really enjoyed playing with him, you know, as recently as last year. Uh, but that's a new kind of faceted this triple option is an, a fullback led uh, offense. Right. But don't get me wrong, Connolly's still huge in the offense. Oh, yeah. Just as capable <clears throat> of making big plays. I mean, you saw that against Sandwich, but you know, I kind of think back, you know, that that bye week might have been a blessing in disguise for Falmouth. Sure. Really, I think gave them a chance to refocus, get healthy. Cuz again, we mentioned every week that Connolly was banged up in the beginning of the year and even though you like to be playing games, I think that bye week was actually pretty big to kind of refocus and and get Falmouth in a position to finish out the regular season, potentially undefeated. Definitely. Well, it, it gave them two weeks to prepare for Marshfield, who right. it turns out maybe didn't they didn't need two weeks to prepare for. Um, but even with that, being able to play so well against them, I think definitely put the team in a good place mentally and mm-hmm. certainly gave them additional confidence maybe going into last week's game, which, you know, D.Y., everybody except Falmouth now has one loss or, t- or more in the Atlantic Coast League. So Falmouth, in two weeks, they've got Nauset. That's their last ACL game. They're guaranteed a share of the league title. You know, D.Y. is playing Marshfield this week. I would expect D.Y. to be able to win this game uh, win this game, and at least keep the pressure on Falmouth so that if Nauset can somehow pull off an upset, there'd be a tie for the league title. Right. Uh, but you know, Falmouth at this point can start thinking about the playoffs and, and start managing things a little bit because they've got Hanover, which is a good test, and then Nauset, who will probably also go to the playoffs, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see them being as much of a challenge. I mean, D.Y. beat Nauset pretty bad, and Falmouth beat D.Y. pretty bad. Yeah. So, Well, I was going to mention the ACL. I really liked how Nauset played. I mean, oh, yeah. yes, I mean, they've won the games they're supposed to win. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Maybe the exception of week one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a tough 7-6 loss to Sharon. But, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, definitely a step up this year for the Warriors, no matter how oh, yeah. the rest of the season shapes up. You know, they'll have a chance to play. I believe they have – They're at Sandwich, at uh, sandwich Friday at 7 o'clock. So, again, another good chance for them to cap off at least the regular season with a winning record. Yeah, I, I think they'll win this game, and that'll give them third in the Atlantic Coast League, which would be a step up from the last – I don't know how many seasons, probably three, at least mm-hmm. three – you know, last week was kind of the Miles Perry and Will Van Vleck show. They ran each for two touchdowns. You know, we've talked a lot about guys like Bobby Joy, Mac LaBarge, Tate Sidewand, but something I didn't know. So their kicker, Robbie Wright, 17 extra points and a 30-yard field goal this season. So he mm-hmm. has given them 20 extra points over these first five games. That's a pretty good secret weapon to have, you know, in your back pocket, and it 
keeps pressure on other teams uh, to execute their, you know, their special teams plays, the two-point conversions or the extra points themselves, uh, and that's real nice. Uh, we've talked about that with Mashpee too. You know, yeah. with Xavier Gonzalez coming in, kicking an extra point. That was the difference that was the against, key against Abington. Abington. Yeah, you and know, he's when... kicked a field goal before. He kicked one against Nantucket last year. Mm-hmm. And they don't, you know, again, I know Mashpee likes getting those eight points because it puts the pressure on the other team right away. But like you said, when you need it, you have it there. And I Falmouth, when they won it two years ago, they definitely—I can't remember his name right now—but they definitely had an ex a good kicker. I think Dy last year, if I recall, also had somebody who could kick extra points for them. It's a really good extra thing to have in your game because it's still easier to extra to execute the extra point than the two-point conversion. Mm-hmm. And if you can get that one extra point, that can be big if you're scoring four or five times mm-hmm. a game. That's that's the equivalent of one extra touchdown, basically. Right. Speaking of turnarounds, wanted to talk a little bit about Barstable football. Mm-hmm. Nice win for them on the road at Derby. Not a surprise one, but a second straight shutout for the defense. So, I mean, you know, it, I don't know if Coach Rostakola gives out helmet stickers, but... You know, when you have a shutout like that, usually everyone gets at least one for, yeah, for right. that kind of effort. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, we mentioned last week, good show from Brian um, Fryer, you know, get two rushing touchdowns. Matt Peter Custer seemed to be himself again behind center. Yeah, especially offense with Connor Baldessaro. Yeah, offense was a little slow out of the gate, but eventually, you know, Barnesville went on a seven-play, 90-yard drive. And, yep. you know, that's the kind of stuff you like to see from your mm-hmm. senior captain, quarterback. But, you know, you can't you can't talk about this game without talking about the defense. You know, Matt, Matt Fredo with an interception. Uh, Joe Yamoka is strong in the defensive line. I believe uh, Barnesville's defense was three straight four, uh, three and outs mm-hmm. to start the game. I mean, that's that's exactly what you're looking for out of your exactly. defense. You and, know, and now they face bridgewater Raynham. That's a 6 p.m. game at Barnstable. You know, so now they finally have their two old Colony League matches. They got BR this week and Dartmouth <laughs> next week. But bridgewater Raynham beat Dartmouth 34-0. So it's pretty clear, you know, who – of those two teams, which is the stronger team and the one Barnstable is going to have to beat to have a chance to, like, win the old Colony League. Um, You know, the players to look out for for the Trojans, so Will Lombard had two touchdowns last week. They also got touchdown runs from Nolan Anderson, Kevin Compton, and Pat Blair, so they are very clearly a strong running team, and that's what Barnstable is probably going to have to do to have a chance in this one. If Barnstable can beat uh, BR, that puts them in a really good chance to, to get into the league. Um, they should be able to beat Dartmouth. I agree with you. They got to stop the run, and they, you know, their losses earlier in the season have been okay. But I, I you know, we're against good teams. But I do think this is probably going to be the biggest challenge Barnstable will face this season. Yeah, and I think the problem with Barnstable is that, and they played in some of these high-scoring games. And if the defense gets exposed in this game, it's going to be real difficult for that offense to keep up. You know, I know the offense has firepower. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's quite enough to match these high-scoring games. I think Barnstable, as you've seen the games they played this year, they thrive in low-scoring grinded out kind of football games, which, you know, it's a great turnaround. And I think, you know, Coach Rostercola, regardless of how the rest of the season really plays out, I think deserves a lot of credit for what he's done with his football team this season. Certainly been a turnaround Mm -hmm. um, from from years past. So, um, yeah, I I think they've had a, you know, a great, like I said, great little turnaround. And and if they can finish here with a possible uh, OCL title, that would just kind of be the cherry on top. Yeah, you know, the win over DY was a a good statement. This would be a huge statement if they can win this game. Mm -hmm. You know, we have some other, you know, league matches coming up. We've got Bourne at Seekonk on Friday at 7 p.m. At this point, Case is going to be the South Coast Conference small champion. But the Canalmen can still win. I think they can very much win this game, finish second, improve to 5-1, and maybe that's enough to get them a first-round home game in the playoffs. 
you know, with uh, Seekonk, with the Warriors. The guys you got to really watch out for is quarterback Jared Morin and receiver Jack Murphy, who scored both of the Warriors' touchdowns last week. So that can make for a nice kind of positional battle between them and guys like James Cahoon, Bourne's quarterback, who threw four touchdowns against Fairhaven, and guys like Jack Neal, who had two. Uh, one thing I really like is that Bourne's defense has produced points this year. They have mm-hmm. had multiple games where they've had either fumbles returned for touchdowns or pick sixes. They got one of each last week. They got a fumble return touchdown from Spencer Rose and a, an interception ret- uh, return from a touchdown from Neal. So if the defense can put up points too, I they got a real chance to win this one. Right, and these guys aren't just defensive specialists. I mean, they're making plays on offense too. So. Oh, yeah. You know, that, that that's a really, you know, big weapon. And, and you know what? With Bourne's football size and a lot of these small schools, that's exactly what you need, mm-hmm. playmakers on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, a lot of credit to their defense. I think that's really made the difference this season. As much as the new offense and the spread mm-hmm. and senior quarterback James Cahoon's been, you know, an impact, I think that defense even more so has created a lot of problems for other teams, you know, especially up front. I agree. And, you know, you want to talk about a turnaround with Barnstable. This has been a huge turnaround with Bourne. I mean, Bourne has had weeks, seasons where they've won like two games, mm-hmm. one game, and now they've, they're look you know, they're four and one. So this is already one of their most successful seasons in a long time. Maybe, right. maybe their most successful since that 2011 Super Bowl team. Um, you know, turning over, we'll run through some of these other ones without, without getting too big, uh, deep on them. We've got West Bridgewater at Monomoy at 6 p.m. This is a Mayflower comprehensive game that I think the Sharks could really use if they actually if they want to make the playoffs. I think they're not sitting in a great place record wise, and they got to win their last two to have a chance. Yeah, West Bridgewater is a good team though. I mean, they've seen they beat um, quite a few Cape teams this year. They had mm-hmm. a comeback win over Martha's Vineyard. Um, I think Nantucket was able to beat them, and and Monomoy definitely suffered a tough loss. Couldn't really stop Nantucket's offense, mm-hmm. and Nantucket's only getting better. You know, speaking of them, they. I believe play 2.30 p.m. Saturday yeah, at Boston, Boston Latin. Yep. Um, you know, Dan Duart, you know, expecting more good things from him. But uh, Victor Gambaroni, though, and oh, yeah. uh, Devontae Usher have really been a great two-headed running back. And when um, Terrain Burton comes back, which Coach Joe Perry said should be soon, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of weapons. Nantucket's going to look like the, you know, the Nantucket of old. And Duarte may still be out with an injury, Devon, but Usher and Gambaroni, are, I think, are more than enough to get them past Boston Latin, which is 0-5. Nantucket is, you know, they've, they've sewed up the, the Mayflower Athletic Comprehensive uh, title at this point. They've mm-hmm. won all their matches, so they're automatically in the playoffs as a league champion. Right. So now it's just about improving their seed. Boston Latin is 0-5, as I said. I think Nantucket's got plenty to win this game. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we mentioned... Uh, Nosset at Sandwich. We talked about Nosset, I think, with Sandwich. Nice shout-out for Charlie, Chap- uh, Charlie Chapman, who has proven himself to be a very, very good reliever. I'm sorry, receiver. receiver. Reliever. They're almost the Baseball same Baseball season still. Yeah, whatever. Red Sox <laughs> played tonight. Anyway, you know, he's probably going to get an ACL All-Star nod at the end of the right. year. I'd be very surprised if he didn't. Um, sandwich, they give up 25 more points than they score every game, and I it's really hard to win that way. Um, Kudos well, to Chapman, though. I mean, it's a football memory. Yeah. And what what does football really come down to at the end of the day? This thing you take with you. So I'm sure he'll remember that for you know years to come. And, mm-hmm. and he's proven to be a really good receiver. I mean, yeah. he makes very good defenses miss. He had big catches against 
a Falmouth defense whose cornerbacks can cover some of the speedier reliever. Uh, Jesus, I did that twice. Receivers, receivers in the uh, <laughs> in the league. So, you know, we'll turn over to Hall at Mashpee at 7 p.m. And one of these days, I'll get the word receiver right. Uh, Mashpee is through the toughest part of its league schedule. It would take a really big mental letdown. And still, Hull would have to play extremely well for the Falcons to not wrap up their right. South Shore League Tobin title this year yeah, or but this cer- week. Yeah, certainly we saw Mashby be a little bit more vulnerable on the defensive side of the ball this week. They raced out to a 20-3 to lead early in the third quarter, but Kohasset scored two touchdowns and, mm-hmm. and was right in that football game. So certainly Mashby's not infallible, but at the same time, I, I think Kohasset's a much tougher, strong, or much tougher squad than Hull. And and look for Mashby to get his 26 straight win, which would break the record, or not the record, but the mark set by King Philip. Yep, that ended last year at the start end of the start of this season. season. So, yeah. again, they're certainly to see them in the uh, you know the state headlines and and being considered in rankings. That's a pretty great uh, accomplishment for a school that really only fields a football team. What is the 30 odd guys? 30 or something. You know, <laughs> but when you've got Devon Ford, <laughs> he's like worth five or six of guys. Course. You know, he had two more touchdown runs last week. He had an interception on defense. I looked up some of uh, Ford's career numbers, 58 touchdowns, uh, 4,200 offensive yards and 5,600 all purpose yards. Mm. And that's really only over two and a half seasons because as a freshman, he, was used very sparingly on offense because they had Deshaun Diaz, who he's was mostly their, a defensive guy, right? Yeah, so really all of this is stuff he's put up since he was his sophomore year, which is makes him especially you know impressive. I'm looking at St. John Paul at versus Pope John That's Paul. That's a the, huge uh, game, yeah. I always get that around the 23rd, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, SGP's finally tested last weekend, you know, a 16-12 grinded out win against Lowell Catholic. Mm-hmm. You know, but still great to see the defense step up as it's really done every Definitely. week. You know, Mike Sakovich, your quarterback, Darren Katz, is both offensive guys. They each had an interception. Junior Will Cody's a hard-hitting guy. Mm-hmm. He recovered a fumble late to clinch the victory. And, yeah, I mean, you talk about big games. This is one of the bigger ones because this pretty much decides who wins the Catholic Central Small Division Championship. So, you know, both these teams are undefeated going into league play. And at worst, the Lions come out with a league title or a share of the – if they can win, if they can win, one. they come out yeah. with at least a share of a league title. Exactly. Say. You know, Pope John the twenty third. They are new to the uh, the Catholic uh, Central Small Conference this year. So is uh, Austin Prep, which is the other league match remaining on SJP schedule. But if SJP can win this one, at worst they'll have a one loss league record and they'll tie for the title. And you correct know, me if I'm wrong. This is the same school that Mashby lost to in the uh, it is. state semifinal basketball. Yes, so, it is big basketball school. Yep. <laughs> Um, you know, the, this conference got really thrown off, I think, when Marion closed. A right. lot of players, a lot of kids from those schools who were good athletes kind of went to other schools. Pope John 20, 23rd was one of the beneficiaries of that, but I think the whole league had to reorganize a little bit. You know, Pope John the 23rd, they won 36-0 over Austin Prep, so that's what kind of makes us think this is by far the much tougher matchup for SJP over these last two weeks. You know, quarterback Anthony uh, Mejia is the one to watch for the Tigers. He threw TDs to Jose Davila and John Smith and ran for a touchdown in that game. You mentioned Satkovich. What's always worth remembering with him is even in this preseason, he was not in expecting to be anything other than a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. It took a season-ending back injury to Chris Bresnahan to force him to kind of take over this spot, and he's done it really well. I mean, mm-hmm. he you know, had a touchdown throw to Connor Sargent, and he had a, a touchdown run last week. So 
it's impressive that he's sort of taken over this position and done quite well with it when really only a month and a half ago he was not expecting to have to take any snaps right. as signal caller. Well, I think if any team that's going to play St. John Paul, you got to stop the run and make Sakovich put the ball through the air, which he can do well. Mm-hmm. But obviously, the strength of St. John Paul has been running the ball with guys like Katsif. So, Darren Katsif, yeah. So, I mean, again, any team, you got to stop the run, make them try to put the ball in the air because I think that's where SJP's offense can be exposed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if a team is ball hawking enough, they can make enough turnovers that can can kind of flip it up, flip the script on the Lions. For sure, you know we've got the the other Friday game we have is uh, Mash. I'm sorry, Martha's Vineyard at Carver at 7 p.m. Carver's one and three. They average under two touchdowns a game. They're coming off a bye. I remember talking to Don Herman during the preseason. He said, you know, the Vineyarder schedule is very competitive. One where the team will have a chance to win all of them. I think that's probably accurate. But as of now, the that defense just has not been able to slow down other teams enough to overcome the Vineyard's kind of score offensive inconsistencies. So if they can do that, Carver is very much a beatable team. If they can't, they could again wind up losing by two touchdowns or, or 17 points, something mm-hmm. like that. Other small school football, Blue Hills at Upper Cape yep. at 11 a.m. Saturday. I asked Coach Ken Owen why they're starting so early. He said I had no idea. <laughs> so that's not a typo. It is 11 a.m. start. You know, the Rams' three-game win streak ended this past weekend against Whitbridge, West Bridgewater team we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. However, you know, this is a great chance for, you know, Ken Owen and company to get back on track. Zari Salim's been one of their most consistent oh, yeah. performers running the ball. He's done a great job. But I'd really expect that quarterback Thomas Zine and wide receiver Drew Brightman as a mm-hmm. pair can really have a big game against Blue Hills. You know, Cape Tech, which isn't big for throwing the ball, is able to throw the ball well against them last weekend. Yep. So I would expect a little bit more of the pass game in this one if Salim just doesn't go off and running crazy. But sure. I think Upper Cape will have a better chance to mix run and pass and get back on track. And a team that's really, you know, kind of flew under the radar a little bit should be a postseason team. If they can win this game against Blue Hills, that would give them a good – I believe that would be four wins for them. Yeah, and Usually it would be a should share be enough. The, and it would – Give them at at worst a share of the Mayflower voc, uh, vocational small title. Uh, the the that division is looking really interesting because while that is going on, two hours later, Cape Tech is going to play South Shore Voc. Cape Tech only doesn't have a uh, only has one league loss. If they mm-hmm. can win this game and South Shore Voc is winless and they've only scored a total of four touchdowns in five games. They have. They will put a lot of pressure on Upper Cape to beat to beat Blue Hills, which we think they will. And then Upper Cape still has to play Old Colony, mm. which probably went into this season expecting maybe they would be the favorite to win that division. And then Cape Tech upset them, and that kind of threw this whole standings into into chaos a little bit. But if Cape Tech wins at South Shore Vogue, it could easily set up a situation where you have two or three teams all tying for the league title with one loss each. Uh, which is a real interesting situation. You know, with Cape Tech, Zach Higgins and his receivers like Trevor Castilius and Juan Camilo, plus running back Archer Estenville, that should be more than enough to beat the Vikings, who are not a, you know, they're they're right. pretty down this year. Uh, I think Upper Cape has the bigger challenge, but I agree with you that they should be able to win it, and that makes next week's game against Old Colony very interesting. And what you have to remember about football, too, is that it's not like, other sports like soccer, for example, where you can just you can add another spot just because a team is in a tie, you know. Right. Yeah, it can only have so many playoff teams that can get through, and that's when style point, per division per set. And that's where style points start to you know 
basically but, that's not what they're called, but with power ranking points, yeah, it's start to become a factor. It's basically a formula. I won't get into all the details, but it's a lot of it is based on your strength of schedule. You get X number of points for beating a team in your division. You get X number of points for beating a team that's a division higher than you. You get X number of points for losing to a team, but it's a higher division team. So you still kind of get points for trying, basically. Right. Um, and that's why Upper Cape plays Bourne, for example. You know, they might have lost that game, but, mm-hmm. you know, they play division up and, and you it's get why DY has lost to Barnstable wasn't the worst. Right. way to start the season because they still get the benefit of playing a team that's, yep. I think, three divisions higher than them. I think DY is D5 and Barnstable is D2. So. Mm-hmm. I think we hit all the football That's games, all right? football, yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to run down the schedule one more time just to make sure we get all these games in here. But, uh, again, Friday we got Hanover at Falmouth, 6 p.m. Uh, same time, Bridgewater is at Barnstable, also 6 p.m. Born at Seacock is a 7 p.m. start. Uh, West Bridgewater at Monomoy, 6 p.m. Dennis Yarmus at Marshfield, 7 p.m. Martha's Vineyard at Harvard, 7 p.m. Saturday, you have uh, Pope John Paul. Also, sorry, just to finish Friday, Hall at Mashby at 7 p.m. And, and Nossett at Sandwich. Sandwich at 7 p.m. I guess I could cut off my list there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pope John the 23rd at St. John Paul. That game's at Mass Maritime. Starts at 6 p.m. Blue Hills at Upper Cape, as we just said, at 11 a.m. Cape Tech at South Shore of Oak at 1 p.m. And then Nantucket at Boston Latin, 2.30 p.m. Yep. Didn't leave anything out, right? Nope, we all got right. them all. Fantastic. <laughs> So I think that'll just about wrap it up. Thanks again for watching another episode of Cape Sports Now. Remember, you can find us uh, on our website at capecodtimes.com slash capesportsnow. You can also find us on our Facebook page, and you can also download the podcast on, through the podcast app and yeah. also on Google Play, I believe, too, right? Yeah, well, you can get it through the podcast app on, on iPhones and Androids uh, products. So you can also find us on Twitter. Stay uh, tuned for the latest updates um, on at Sports CCT on Twitter. I'm also on Twitter at, at Steve underscore Derdarian D E R D E R I A N. I am also on Twitter. I'm at Matt Goisman CCT M A T T G O I S M A N C C T. We'll see you guys back here next week. Thanks for watching. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.